A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's gonna get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. Jaron Kerr. Jesse, how's it going? Deputy editor from right here at Canada Land. Happy to be here. Welcome to Shortcuts for the first time. Today, Jaron, was there collusion? Was there obstruction? And for God's sakes, why are we paying more attention to Mueller than SNC-Lavalin? And we will talk about Apple sliding into our news feeds like a non-consensual U2 album. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Glad to have you here. This episode of Shortcuts is brought to you by Anthony Shine, Chloe Riley, Mark Graziani, Stephanie Archer, Terrence Jordan, Andrea Talman, Sari Park, and Garrett Irvin. I'm Garrett, lawyer from Toronto, and I support Canada Land because somebody needs to. Uh, it's a great show, and it keeps me informed. And Jaron, as I mentioned, this episode is brought to everybody by FreshBooks. You are not a freelancer. We have made an honest man of you. You are a staff employee of Canada Land. You don't have to send invoices. No, I mean, I'm kind of... You let me freelance if I wanted to, so I guess it's useful. That is true. You are free to freelance, but you know, you don't have to. You could just work on Canada Land stuff all the time. Let's change the topic and talk about FreshBooks. A lot of people say to me, Jesse, they say, I don't need to pay for FreshBooks. I can just send an invoice using Microsoft Excel, Microsoft Word. I can send it in an email, for God's sakes. Why should I spend money on something that I don't have? to spend money. And that is true, and that's how I used to send my invoices. But you know what actually does cost you money is filing your taxes too late because you know that your taxes are a goddamn mess and you don't want to even touch them. So you put it off and put it off and then you file late and there are penalties. That is just one of the many ways that I realize FreshBooks actually saves me money. There are many others that I've been going through. You will save time. You will actually save money. You'll save clients that you otherwise would lose. You'll save from penalty fees. And you will just make managing your small business or your freelance practice that much more pleasant. 
It's nice to use FreshBooks. You've heard me talk about this, people. Why not have a look? You can try it out for free for 30 days. Go to freshbooks.com slash CanadaLand. Try it out for free. If you decide to become a customer, tell them that CanadaLand sent you. They feature the work of some of the world's best journalists. They cover the world of sport. They bring today's business, innovation, and technology into focus. And they tell stories that give us perspective. All of these magazines come to life in an all-new service that we call Apple News Plus. Apple News, Jaron, are we saved? We are not. No? We are definitely not saved at all. I'm going to start with the disclosure which is that we have been in touch with the Apple News Canada team. We've been working with them. There's no business relationship in terms of money changing hands. Like we can do that with ads or with subscriptions. We don't have subscriptions for our news. Our policy with news is like we want as many people to read it for free as possible, right? Mm -hmm. So we have all kinds of critical things to say about Facebook. We post our stuff to Facebook all the time because that's where people get their news. When Apple News was coming out, we knew that there's a good chance that this is going to be a major driver of traffic. Because it's the same philosophy as with podcasts. Anybody with an iPhone has the podcast app on them. Yeah. And we already knew because people, like, before Apple News's app was automatically put on everyone's phone, like, two days ago, you already had Apple headlines on your iPhone baked in mm -hmm. if you swipe, like, to your search bar or past it. Mm -hmm. And you know from your time at the start, like, that drives an incredible amount of traffic. Like, that's how a lot of people get their news. For sure. For so sure. we're like, okay, we definitely need to, like, this is just us fulfilling our mandate. And we got in touch with Apple News and they were nice, friendly people who helped us, you know, there's a certain amount of uh, resource that we have to put into, like, formatting our stuff and making that kind of, like, go into our Apple News channel and look good and be compliant with their thing and then it'll just work. Mm -hmm. So we're available on Apple News. We're working with them in that capacity. And yet we cover the news, so we have to be able to talk about them. So no business relationship, but some sort of a partnership, I suppose, yeah. you could construe it. So why is this not going to save the news industry? Because if Apple can't do it, you know? I mean, it's a good product, I think. I think that for people who are news junkies, if you sign up for the 13 bucks a month, which is what it is in Canada, you can get a lot of magazines, you can read them all, you have a good experience, the UX looks decent. But at the same time, you're not going to make a lot of money off of this. I think that the companies that are monetizing this, Apple is taking, according to a whole bunch of reports, Apple's taking half of the profits right off the bat. And then the other 50% is going to be split amongst the rest of the publishers based on how much engagement they get. So you have to be one of those big fish to get a decent chunk of that 50%. If not, you're basically siphoning off pennies, right? It's not going to be anything substantial. And you're cannibalizing your own subscription stream because a lot of people are going to go for the Apple thing and see a lot more value in that than subscribing to your paper Absolutely, directly. Absolutely, right? And the star actually addressed this in an email last week to some of the readers where they basically said, hey, we're on Apple News. It's great. We like it. But please, 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 please stay subscribed to the actual star because you pay us 15 to 20 bucks a month. We need that. And when you get that, you get all these other special things like their newsletters and like some of the wire services that they pull from and, and some other stuff and all the political coverage. You're missing a lot if you're only on Apple News. Let me stop you there here. What a weak, weird, convoluted marketing message from the Toronto Star. Like on the one hand, only three newspapers were announced at that Apple event as the partners of Apple News. Apple News Plus. 
Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like Canada Land is available for free on Apple News and Mm -hmm. just about every other news source is available for free on Apple News. But on the stage, which is a very big stage that hundreds of millions of people are watching this, what's Apple got next? Mm -hmm. Three newspapers got like, what is that promotion worth? It's worth a ton. You know, here are the three newspapers you get with Apple News Plus. Yeah. The Wall Street Journal. The L.A. Times and the Toronto Star. So that was like, like, wow, Toronto Star is looking up there with these, you know, of course, all the details kind of like the Wall Street Journal was like, yeah, you don't actually get our business coverage, which is what anyone who subscribes to the Wall Street Journal subscribes for. You kind of get it. It's really weird. So Amal Sharma, who works at the Wall Street Journal, was arguing with someone on Twitter and explaining that they're going to promote general interest news. But if you look hard enough, you can find the business news. So it's not a very user friendly thing. But at the same time, the Wall Street Journal is hiring 50 people to just work on Apple News. Right. And not just editors, they're hiring reporters specifically oh, really? well, to if, work if on Apple they're News. They're getting, like I say, like there's like three papers that are obviously going to be prioritized over all else. And I bet that not only are you getting access to them on Apple News Plus, but there are human editors at Apple News choosing which stories yes. get prominence. And I have to imagine that their partners are going to get some special favors. Yeah. So it's like, wow, how can the Wall Street Journal pass up? And maybe, you know, who knows what Apple's paying them and the Toronto Star directly mm-hmm. for, you know, uh, for, for being these kind of like top tier partners. It's just an incredible market marketing channel for Wall Street Journal, but it places them in this impossible situation because their primary product is a subscription product. And the star, like that email that they put out was like, okay, yes, we're working with Apple. It's amazing. But our own much more expensive subscription gets you access to wire copy stories and advertorial. They were actually saying to people, stick with us so you can get our automotive section and the kit fashion. and Like you can get sponsored content that you wouldn't get on Apple News. So I think that this is kind of evidence of just how ambivalent the news industry is about this. Yeah. I have some other thoughts about this. I mean, I first of all, like, I get why this might be huge because we're at a moment in the news distribution and discovery discussion where we recognize that expecting people to have 12 different subscriptions to 12 different news organizations and, you know, like how bad the user experience is. And then you go to the, maybe you go to the different websites and there's so much replication. They got the same wire story. Like what is the original offer of this thing? And so there's a push towards like, this is terrible for the consumer, which is one of the reasons why Facebook won. It was just like, boom, here it is. It's a list of news stories and other stuff. And much like traditional newspapers, it's like stuff about social life, stuff about this. Like, you know, this is where you go to find out what's going on Mm -hmm. in one place. But the wild free for all of Facebook led to a devolution of the quality of the information that became almost like the biggest Achilles heel that Facebook has. You know, spreading disinformation and fomenting division between people is now like a huge, huge problem for Facebook that might actually, you know, the worst case scenario is, you know, lawsuits and antitrust that could be broken up over this stuff. Yeah. So enter Apple saying, well, we are the purveyors of a premium product. We don't do this messy free for all. That's Apple as we make things beautiful. So we're going to have an app that looks better than the Facebook newsfeed. And we're actually going to come back. Forget about algorithm like humans are going to edit this thing. So if we remove this, like, what does the news industry have to say about this? From a user's point of view, you could like, oh, yeah, that's good. And then Apple using the fact that, like, the app is now on everybody's iPhone, whether you like it or not. It's just there. You can just boom. I mean, it's it's sort of why they own podcasting. For sure. 85% of podcast listening is through uh, Apple Podcasts because everyone's got it. Everyone with an iPhone has it anyhow. And when you go into the other territory of standalone, who's got the best podcast app on Android, nobody has more than like a few percent of the market, you know? Mm, Yeah. So I get all that. And yet, before we return to the question of like, will this save the news industry? I Mm. like, I want to point out something that I think Josh Benton at the Neiman uh, News Lab at Harvard pointed out, which is like, is this really a news app? 
because like Apple bought Texture, this magazine app, which actually Rogers owned, developed like Ken White used to run Texture, which is like, you know, one price, you get access to all these magazines. Yeah. And then they reskinned it as Apple News. Plus. Plus. Mm -hmm. And then they've got this little Harry Potter thing of like, you know, oh, the cover of National Geographic has a moving image and it kind of looks like Uji Wiz for the big Apple event. Mm -hmm. And all of this hype that this was going to be the new news app. And then they come out with like, we've got three partners in the paid yeah. tier. Yeah. And like you said, this huge, like, at least within the industry, a scandal when they announced that like, unlike app developers who get, you know, you like you buy an app for 10 bucks with Apple, the developer gets seven bucks and Apple gets three. So not only is it a 50-50 split, way worse for the content creator in this environment, but it's a Spotify model where you're not actually paid for, you don't get seven bucks. You don't even get five bucks, right? You share five bucks based on who reads what, which again is pushing news into a clickbait. Yes. You know, because now, yeah. now engagement is what gets you paid. Yeah. As opposed to people saying, I'm going to subscribe to the Toronto Star and then that gets you and then you share the money with Apple. No, it's yeah. like how much of actual time. So now you're pushed. If that becomes a revenue stream of any significance, mm -hmm. now you create an ecosystem where everyone's just going to be like trying to get the most clicky headlines possible. Yeah. I don't know about this thing. Yeah. And I got to say, like, it always felt a bit gross, like growing a news business on somebody else's platform. You know, Facebook was always ancillary to what we do. But, you know, that was where a lot of people got our headlines. And, you know, you can't help but like wonder how is the algorithm going to treat this? And you try to kind of like make the image work for the algorithm, can't have too much text in the image. Yep. You know, you're kind of start to serve Facebook. Sure. Now you've got Apple, where it's not an algorithm you're serving, I'm writing an email. Mm -hmm. There's a team of three people. And I think that, you know, I don't know that they have any confidentiality, but it also hasn't been publicized. It's Steve Mache, formerly of a Canadian business. So he was over at Rogers, mm -hmm. uh, Rogers Publishing, uh, McLean's. So he's running the thing. Nicholas Kohler, who uh, used to write for McLean's, is one of the human editors. And Jess Ross is one of the editors. And now, if we want a featured spot, if we want a lot of people to read our stories, we like send an email to those editors saying, hey, we got something good coming. Maybe Apple people, you know, and like right from the bat, the discretion of Apple to decide what news is important. Like one of the first headlines I read on Apple News was Apple's big event was much different than any other. And it's a sign the company is moving in a new direction. So that's one of the headlines <laughs> they chose for launch day. <laughs> right. So now, you know, it meet, is news. Meet the new gatekeepers. Like if this is a big hit, it's three people. And I think only two of them are actually doing the day-to-day -day news curation mm -hmm. who are deciding, like, what's on the front page of the newspaper, basically. And, like, you know, anyone who's using Apple News reading this, like, you can go – you'll have to dig a little bit. You can look up Canada Land and then you can say, I want to subscribe to this channel and then you'll get our stuff. Follow it. It's more following the channels when it's on Apple News. Yeah. What, you press a little heart button Yeah, press something? a little heart and then you're following it. It'll show up in your feed more. That's how it works. End yeah. of promotional message. But, yeah, if, yeah. if we're, we're going to be fighting with every other news source to say to these three editors, we have something today that we think everybody should know about. Mm -hmm. And then they'll look and see, like, well, is this formatted to look great on our, our app and do we agree that this is a good news story and probably <laughs> do Apple's interests figure into this based on the first day of headlines, maybe a little bit. Possibly. But I mean, at the end of the day, you have to pick a side, right? Do you want human editors or do you want an algorithm? I wrote a story, I wrote an opinion piece three years ago, I think it was three years ago in the Globe and Mail, right after Gizmodo exposed that somebody who worked at, on the curation team at Facebook, the news curation team, was a conservative and said that they are shutting down conservative views. And then after that, Mark Zuckerberg met with Glenn Beck and all these other conservatives to say, no, we like you guys, we want you to know that you're welcome on our platform. And guess what they did? They fired all of the human editors. Yeah. And guess what happened the next day? 
when it was just an algorithm running the trending platform, fake news at the very top. Yeah. Actual fake news. Sure. Actual false stuff. Right. And now if you look, uh, people like Kevin Roos at New York Times are tracking what news shows up on Facebook the most. And it's all right leaning pages. Right. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But my point is they decided to get rid of these human editors because they thought, oh, they're biased. And then you get an algorithm that produces similar biases or different types of biases or skews things in a different way. And it's much more reckless because you can also you don't have anybody looking at it to say, OK, well, that's obviously fake or that source isn't good. This is all about engagement now. Now the bias is towards engagement. Who's going to click the most? Um, who has the most clickbaity headline? You don't have humans there to sort of say, OK, well, this is a more reliable source or not. So sure, you see that Apple headline on Apple News and it's very endearing to Apple and you might kind of cringe at that a little bit, but at least, you know, on a day-to-day basis, you have real people who have experience in the news industry who can make more discerning decisions than an algorithm who doesn't really care about journalistic ethics or reliability. It's hard to build those things in. So, I mean... There's pros and cons to both, right? I, I agree. I agree. H- human curation over algorithmic. I think that for all this hype about AI taking all of our jobs, AI kind of sucks. And uh, if your business is built on clicks via fake news, you can get around the AI. You can game the AI. And a human will spot that really quickly. Like, mm-hmm. especially journalists who are trained in verification will like, that doesn't look right. Let's have yeah. a look at that. Yeah. That's not where I think we may differ. Uh, I, and, and I think, you know, hey, Apple's a private company. Like, if they want to, like, actually hire journalists to put together, like, you know, a quality aggregation of news headlines from willing partners, mm-hmm. why the hell not? I question whether it's going to work. And I, I want to kind of explore this a little bit. I don't question whether or not it'll be a hit. I don't know. You know, I think that they, they've certainly got a good shot of, mm-hmm. of this being a, a success. What I question is, and what's become clear is, Apple, as they move into this new, like they want like monthly recurring fees because they can't sell iPhones the way they used to, they see news as a profit center for ongoing subscription. And they're actually being more aggressive in the profit sharing than they were with, you know, with apps or with music. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that they're going to hit a wall because I don't think this is going to make meaningful money for any news organization. You know, like like it's going to be very hard to build a business. And that's why the New York Times and Washington Post said, forget about it. We're not going to do it. Right. So let's explore that a little bit. Right. Like if they've just created another way that we could get exposure, but not cash, then our crisis continues. And our crisis, I think, is becoming their crisis. I think that news as a source of money, especially in the context of like the way Apple makes money, that scale, mm-hmm. is like nothing. It's pennies. Yeah. But news in terms of how much of users' time it occupies mm-hmm. is a very big deal. Forget about even the social mission of news and that stuff for a second. Let's just talk about like people using Apple products, people using Facebook products, people using this, this stuff concern themselves with news It's one of the main things we do with their stuff. Yeah. And if news continues to be destroyed because we're not making money, then that vacuum is going to get filled with lower and lower quality news. And the way that we use Apple products and the way that we use Facebook is going to get shittier, you know, and they're going to find themselves more and more targeted as the means, the platform through which we get lousy shit. So I think what we're seeing is, and this is backed up by what Google's doing now, they're starting to realize that if the news business goes down, it's really bad for them. And so now Google's not looking at news as like, how can we make money off of the news business? They're actually pumping money into local news yeah. because they're like, okay, well, what will it take for us? Like, where should the news subsidies come from? Yeah. I'm against taxing Facebook and Google to pay for news, mm-hmm. but I don't see any reason why Facebook and Google and Apple and those companies shouldn't be actually like subsidizing themselves, Yeah, you know, making it possible for high quality news to get generated. Like what is Apple thinking trying to get a 50% cut of our news subscriptions? Like they really should be trying to make sure that, that there is a future for the news business. 
business. Sure. And I don't disagree. And, you know, speaking of the Wall Street Journal, I think two things about them. One is that they actually published a, a piece a couple of weeks ago. People are hungry for um, local news on platforms like Facebook. But the problem is there isn't any anymore. Right. You know, you live in a small town and you want your local news in your Facebook feed. And that was supposed to be something they're working on. But all these papers have shut down or they're yeah. down to a skeleton staff of three or four people. So you're going to get one or two articles a day. Your your feed is not going to be flooded with all these things from your remote town. If you're in Toronto or Calgary or another urban center, then you might get that. But if you're somewhere a bit further in an exurb or even a rural area, you're just not going to get anything like that. And I think the other thing is news won't disappear. It'll just become something for rich people or people who can afford it or people who really, really, really want it. Because for the Wall Street Journal, I think the opinion there is Apple News is basically a marketing funnel. There are a bunch of people who are never going to pay the 30 bucks a month, which I pay for the Wall Street Journal. If we can even get people to look at our stuff and kind of be interested and we can convert maybe 10% of them to try us out on, you know, the, the introductory one, $1 a month trial, whatever it might be, we might actually make some real money off of this because they know that the Apple News audience is not the same as the direct Wall Street Journal audience, right? So for them, it's just like, let's introduce people. We have a hard paywall on our website. Let's see if we can get ourselves out in public and see if anybody bites. And if they do, then great. If not, it's kind of just a marketing thing. They're not really losing anything. But um, yeah, I don't think it's going to save anyone's business. I no. don't think anyone should think that. I think it's a chance for more traffic, more reach, which might help a little bit. But I think we all know that that's not the be all end all. That doesn't turn into dollars, right? It didn't save the business the first time it happened. I mean, all I could think about when I saw this Apple event with all these magazine covers was when Steve Jobs rolled out the iPad. And mm -hmm. what was one of the original selling points of the iPad was like magazines. This is the next generation of magazine. This is how you're going to read them. That didn't happen at all. The magazine business is almost doing worse than the newspaper business. Yeah, it did not work. This is the same thing that's happening with podcasting, by the way. Like right now, the BBC is pulling its podcasts off of Google, off of uh, Google Podcasts and, you know, saying like, we want to own the relationship. You have to listen to our podcasts on the BBC app. Yep. And, you know, Spotify buying Gimlet is like, you know, okay, Gimlet stuff is going to be increasingly, it's probably, you know, you're going to have to get Spotify if you want Gimlet's podcasts. Yeah. So the thing that made podcasts work in the first place, which is just this open format of RSS, which like you can get any podcast on any podcast app was the way that the podcast thing happened. Mm -hmm. And now it's going to be like bundled and paywalled and exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. And, you know, Apple might follow suit. You know, they've got 85% of podcast engagement with their tool. But now that they see it getting commercialized, maybe they'll see a buck in it if Spotify works. And then they'll try to, you know, they'll lose almost all of their listeners to, you know, other, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I think that, like, the value of that open format is what everyone's forgetting. Yeah. Chief among them, like, content producers. That openness benefits us. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think things like RSS, it's a great democratizer, right? And that's the reason why people who are making money off media want to get away from it. Because I still read my news on RSS, but I have to pay for a service to make RSS feeds on news sites that don't use RSS anymore because it doesn't benefit them. Yeah. Right. These are the sorts of things that might benefit the consumer, but they're not going to benefit the person who wants to make a buck. Because if you want to own the relationship, then you don't necessarily want your content appearing next to someone else's content. You want someone to go into the BBC app, for example, and see other BBC shows and cross post and, and cross share. Well, you want, you right? want their email address when they subscribe to your newsletter. Yeah. You want their data as they the pixels follow along your, your advertising. This is what the star's actual plan is, yeah. you know. Uh, but, I, you know, like no one has created a better news delivery system than the open Internet. It is the most efficient, incredible. You can reach so many people instantaneously. Whatever people want to receive it on, they receive it. The open internet, if you didn't have to make money, 
mm-hmm. then things like RSS and yeah. like the web yeah. are just, you're not going to improve upon that. It's the yeah. best thing ever. It so is. you're actually degrading products in order to make them profitable, which is why the problem that I'm most concerned with solving is, is there a way of maintaining that while getting people to pay for it? Yeah. And I think that the model of people paying for news so that other people can have it is one that has not been fully explored. It's really powerful. It's really powerful that I'm paying for the Wall Street Journal to exist. And what if they gave away everything that I'm paying for to everyone so that that information could be like that. It's such a, a value add if you yep. position it the right way. Yeah. And I, you know, I feel like the scarcity model of getting something that you couldn't otherwise get, it kind of appeals to people's most kind of miserly and protectionist instincts. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a way to monetize that ubiquity. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. People say I'm a dreamer. You're not the only one. <laughs> Jaron, you work here, so you should know that we have this thing called Duly Noted. Yes, I do. I know it. <laughs> it would be bad if you didn't. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. I would like to duly note that Jason Kenney is afraid of 69. That requires explanation? I think so. Yeah, um, I'm sorry for putting... I'm not the one who put the idea of Jason Kenney in 69 in the same sentence thought. Um, Jason Kenney did that by accident in his efforts to separate those things. I still haven't explained. Okay, last week, uh, Jason Kenney, who, of course, is uh, likely going to be Alberta's next premier, staged a, a bit of political theater, a press event, and his team noticed that he was about to speak in front of a highway sign that said 6.9 meters. And... <laughs> Uh, they got nervous. Can we have the boss with 69? That's just asking people to make jokes. Of course. About 69 and Jason Kenny. We can't have that. And so, geniuses that they are, somebody uh, had a roll of tape and adapted the sign to read 8.9. And they did a very bad, sloppy job of it. It was very noticeable. Yeah. And so people said, what's going on over there? And then had to be revealed that this is what happened. And here we are talking about it. Well, it's hilarious. Grow up, Jaron. Duly noted. Do you have a duly noted for us today? I do. There's a story in the Washington Post about a guy named Adnan Verk. Have you heard of him? I have not. So Adnan Verk, I grew up watching him on The Score. I'm a big sports guy, and he was on The Score when it was still a TV channel. He is an anchor at ESPN, or was an anchor at ESPN until very recently. So there's this Toronto guy. I haven't heard much of him because ESPN- Wait, he's a sports guy? He's a sports guy. And you asked me if I'd heard of him? Yeah. I, I don't know. Why you are you know. fucking with me? Went to Ryerson. You know, he's from Toronto. But anyway, made it big, went to ESPN, was doing baseball stuff and some college sports stuff. I heard from him every once in a while, but he kind of disappeared from my mind until there was a story about him being exposed in this leak investigation. Basically, he was accused of leaking some information to a sports media site called Awful Announcing. And um, then ESPN decided to part ways with him. It was going to be a whole legal thing. And they decided just to say, you know what? We think you did it and uh, you got to go. Did what? Leaked information, proprietary information about like baseball programming, stuff that sports media nerds would be interested in. But ESPN did not want that stuff coming out in the article with the post. Verk admits to leaking this information. And um, now he's joined a place called DAZN. Have you heard of DAZN? You know that I have not. Okay, so DAZN is a sports streaming company. It's, you know, live sports of the future. You watch it on your iPhone, you watch it on your laptop. What makes this interesting, one is, you know, this is sort of my, one of my heroes growing up, um, you know, sort of being implicated in this crime. And the other thing is he goes to DAZN, and the person who heads up the North American operations for DAZN is John Skipper. 
John Skipper is the former president of ESPN, and he had to leave after he was extorted because of his drug addiction. Someone was going to expose him for being, you know, basically um, addicted to drugs, and he decided to leave before someone could out him. Uh-huh. Um, so he's kind of joined another sort of disgraced uh, fallen ESPN figure at this new sports company. So for all these reasons that are not so savory, they've kind of joined the sports, the sports company of the future. Um, so that's that's uh, a lot of things that just kind of perked up in my mind, and the, I thought the, the scandalized sports startup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's one way of putting it. Duly noted. Oh, I have one last one. I need to duly note a correction. Last week, when I was listing all of the white terrorists, the angry white men who had committed mass shootings, I mistakenly listed the Orlando Pulse nightclub shooter among them, and of course, uh, that was not a white shooter. I regret the error. And you know, there's been questions about like our corrections policy, like. Uh, Minor corrections will usually just throw up on the show notes when it's a podcast, like a little technical thing. But that's a bigger error, I yeah, think. For sure. uh, it sort of like it runs contrary to the point that I was making. For sure. Yeah. And when that happens, we try to kind of like give the correction as much space as the error itself. Duly noted. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. The Prime Minister was also asked again whether there's going to be any further waiving of privilege. Um, Jody Wilson-Raybould has said, and Jane Philpott have both said, that um, given the, the restrictions around what they can and can't say due to whether it's a solicitor-client privilege or cabinet confidentiality rules, that they can't speak fully. They can stand up and under parliamentary privilege in the House or before a committee say Whatever they want to say, it won't be easy because it's not, it's not uh, procedurally easy right. to do so. This isn't kind of open season. This isn't necessarily everything she could say. This is just additional things she now feels 
she can say, if you will, in writing. And, you know, I guess for us kind of reacting to this, um, it's, it's unclear how exciting this is until we see it. Boring. This was the best scandal we've ever had, and I'm bored. Are you bored? I'm not bored. I'm just trying to keep up. It's, it's a lot. There's a lot of things to learn. I mean, just the way that this is being covered, and I mean, we'll do our best here to like, we're in month two of this, and the revelations keep coming. There are legs to this, but goddamn, is it hard to follow. I mean, look at these headlines. Uh, Wilson Raybould backed Manitoba's Joyal for Chief Justice of Supreme Court as part of broader succession plan. I'm going to try to look at this as a layperson who's like interested, but not of the bubble, the politics bubble, which is pretty much me. Like, I'm not really a political junkie. And I know the background with SNC Lavalin. I know why we're talking with Jody Wilson Raybould. And, and suddenly you're throwing at me a Manitoba's Joyal for Chief Justice of Supreme Court. And then you dig into this, and what you're actually reading is that there was this conflict, but then there's like a subtext to, you know, it, it seems like, oh, well, maybe she, maybe there's other reasons why the PMO didn't like her besides this conflict over SNC Lavalin. Maybe it was this conflict over this judicial appointment. And then there's a subtext to that, which is, well, how are we knowing about this? There's obviously a leak. Is the leak from the PMO's office? Well, if so, that's outrageous. They should not be leaking this stuff. And I was trying to follow along at home a Twitter exchange between Robin Urbach and Supriya Duvetti where they got confused. They're like, wait a second. Is the idea here, the editorial hypothesis that's unconfirmed that there's a leaker in the PMO's office or that Jody Wilson-Raybould leaked this? And then Robin was like, wait, with reference to which story? And the, like, like they, they couldn't. Yeah. I mean, compare this to the drama that has just sort of concluded in the U.S. where a political potboiler was spooled out by... Rachel Maddow, by many others, by the Daily New York Times, day by day, twists and turns, where we focused on a couple of key questions. Did Donald Trump collude with Russia on the election and did he obstruct justice? Yeah. And there's a million procedural things there that if you wanted to make it boring, you could focus on. Instead, they focused on that. And it sounds like I'm saying that's a good thing. Obviously, that was a terrible idea. Uh, to make such a political potboiler out of something that where there was like, even if everything was the way that it was, the people who support Donald Trump don't care, mm -hmm. you know, because even like it was just a couple of these meetings with lower level, like it's not like it was Putin and Trump on the phone. Like they were never going to find that. Yeah. Which is not to say the media shouldn't cover it, but they aired their like what I'm saying is they made this like two year meal out of a story that might have been better served as just like, let's just lay out the facts and investigate this as it comes. Mm -hmm. And over here we have a scandal that actually does speak to like super important practical. I mean, yes, but in both cases, there's an obstruction thing going up to the head of state. Mm -hmm. But in our case, you have the idea of crony capitalism in Canada finally being exposed. Mm -hmm. You have actual uh, supposed jobs on the line is one perspective on it. You have a major company pulling out. You have possible illegal activity from the prime minister. I don't know. Like, I, I kind of feel like when it's all said and done, this is actually a more important and dramatic scandal mm -hmm. that we're making it to the most boring thing we possibly could. Yeah, I think that there is a couple differences. First off, I'd say that it was not a waste of time at all for the U.S. media to cover this as intensely as they did. You know, I don't think most back channeling and sort of corruption is done by the head honcho. It's usually the lower people who are making these deals and cutting these deals and Don Jr.'s in meetings with Russians talking about adoptions, but really it's about something else. And 
that's kind of how this stuff seems to work. It's not going to be, you know, Trudeau on the phone with the CEO of SEC Lavalin. It's going to be lobbying meetings. And that's how these things tend to work. But I think the premise of the Trump collusion story is just so much more easy to digest. Trump worked with Russia to fix the election is much easier to understand than SNC-Lavalin, where you have Jody Wilson-Raybould, who most Canadians don't know who she is. And you have to explain that she was told by somebody, not Trudeau himself, but Trudeau's associates are close. But Trudeau is implicated. Yes. There but, was direct communication. But but the idea is that it's Butts and who's Butts and then there's Wernick, who's Wernick. They were pressuring Wilson Raybould to tell some you know public prosecution service who knows what that is. You have to explain what that is. It's not her doing it. It's her telling them to do something or not to do something. It's just way more cloudy. You start with something that's way more difficult to understand with a much smaller audience. This is some scandal. Who understands? And then the out is so much easier. It's so much easier to say, well, well, jobs, you know, jobs, got to protect the jobs. That's way easier than, you know, how do you explain away a president possibly colluding with Russia? It's just easier to explain away SNC, I think. Hard disagree. Okay. Hard disagree. Okay. Though you're making your case better than I'm making mine. Let me see if I can uh, <laughs> do a better job here. I mean, I think that all of this stuff is complicated procedural and involves all sorts of legal details and mechanisms, all sorts of policy procedurals that anyone is going to glaze over, mm -hmm. okay? And I do think that it's our job to give people a way to engage with a story. And I think we can go too far in that direction. Mm -hmm. I think that in the States, I agree with you, that the media had to see this through and report on every detail of it. Mm -hmm. But the media does a bunch of things. You sort of got like newspaper reporters and investigators who are like both just reporting on things as they come out publicly and digging for things that should be public. Mm -hmm. And then you've kind of got in the States and not really here a layer of um, analysis and commentary on cable news where they really do pick you know, they're not necessarily doing that work. Usually they're not doing that work. They're picking up on newspaper and they're choosing which stories. And then they are giving you like tonight a new development and they are helping you understand why this matters. It happens on Radio 2 in the States in a way that doesn't happen here. Sure. They chose this story. And from the start, I felt like I don't know if there's a there there because mm -hmm. even if you get there, it's like Don Jr. with some lawyer who's maybe and, and would it have mattered anyhow. And all of it is a great distraction from the fact that Trump had an incredible amount of support and the fact that the Democratic Party is dying for some reason to believe that this was all just some fluke or some cheat. Sure. You know, there was actually a destructive aspect to it. Compare that to here. There's a choice, right? You can just like make this about like. I mean, my God, look at, you know, we've got these like mechanisms by which we're supposed to bring truth out. The Justice Committee, the Ethics Committee, the Ethics Commissioner. Then you've got all of these things that are keeping the facts hidden. Solicitor-client privilege, cabinet confidence, uh, secrets between sailors. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like you're asking the public to actually wade into these things, distinguish between them. And you leave us in a situation, in a position that you just described, which is like, oh, this is incredibly complicated. And... You're trying to understand difficult things with imperfect information. There's so much that's unknown. Yeah. But there is a bottom line here. Sure. The bottom line here is that some people know what happened. And one of them is the prime minister. Mm -hmm. And he could just tell us. One of them is Jody Wilson-Raybould, who could just tell us if the prime minister let her, give her a full waiver to do so. What position is there for the press? Because look at the position the press has been taking in Canada. Uh, you've got Neil McDonald writing that obviously uh, Phil Pott and Jody Wilson-Raybould are conspiring to take Trudeau down with like no evidence. He wrote that in this uh, CBC opinion and this conspiracy theory, which is like, well, to what end? Like, are they going to then be the lead? Like, how does that work? And mm -hmm. like, do you know this? And all of this pressure will go, well, they could speak if they wanted to. And legal, we have like column after column of legal opinions debating whether they could speak or not. Sure. And then there's like a whole other debate going on. Like, are they really virtuous 
or are they bad? Are they cynical and political operators or are they, are they incompetent? Mm -hmm. What are they? And I don't know the answers to those questions, but I do know that this is obviously important. Of course. And there are people who, like, the prime minister could just give us the fact. So what position, if what we're really debating here is, like, what should the press be doing with this scandal? Mm -hmm. I think that among all of the different things that we do, one thing we can all agree on is that we want the truth. We want the answers. We want what happened. Yeah. And there should just be sustained, constant pressure on the prime minister. Mm -hmm. he, like he said, oh, this had a full hearing. And then you've got, you know, his agents got Scro saying they need to put up or shut up mm -hmm. to Phil Pot. And it's like, well, she, well, that's contradictory because he could actually, they keep shutting down the committees where this could. So yeah, we, it, it just needs to be the press saying, come clean, come clean. Like, just give us the timeline. Give us all the details. Give us the documentation. Let other people bring their side of the story. And that's it. It gets boring and drawn out and endless when things are very intentionally kept under wraps and quiet. Well, that's exactly what's happening with the Mueller report. People seem to forget that the Mueller report has not been released. Yeah. There is a summary from Trump's AG who's sort of given the wave away to any sort of collusion, but the obstruction case is sort of up in the air. We still don't know anything. We haven't seen that whole report. And people, you know, the last couple of days have just been speculating because there's nothing else to do yeah. but speculate. And if you want to bring that into Canadian context, it's sort of the same thing. Like talking about how Philpot is or their friendship between uh, Raybould and Philpot, all of these things, it's punditry, their columns, it's opinion. It's, it's, it's not fact-based and it's not answering any question that anybody who's a voter cares to know. I don't think anybody really cares how close Philpot is to Jody Wilson-Raybould. I think they care about is Trudeau corrupt or is he not? And those are the questions that we're not going to get answers to because Trudeau doesn't want to speak. And I think everybody uh, or a lot of people who are less friendly to Trudeau or don't think as highly of him are thinking he doesn't want to speak because he's guilty. And well, people have I already mean, set that decision. Like that's their that's what they've come to. They don't need to hear him say it or not hear him say it. That's what they think. But there's a lot of reason to believe. I mean, he's acting exactly as he would if he had more to hide. Sure. I don't know. I think that, the, you know, look, part of our job is to package the news mm -hmm. and make it connect with people. I think the, the the besties angle is not a bad one. We should we should lean into that. But why should it just be Raybould and Philpot? You know, you got two groups here of besties. Mm -hmm. You got Justin and Gerald, Jody and Jane. Mm -hmm. It's Katie friends. Telford, yeah, it's All friends, friends in Canada. Yeah. You know? yeah, and I like how when we do talk about that, it's like when it's talked about at all, the Justin and Gerald thing is like, oh, these poor friends. Like Gerald's like, it's been this is the longest I've gone without talking to Justin in years. <laughs> and you think about, oh, poor Justin. It's like he's helpless without his smart friend Jerry. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to Jody and Jane, it's like Mean Girls. Yeah. Diving, evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's a fine angle to dramatize us for the Canadian public. Why sure. not? If, if we're going to, I mean, it's happening anyhow. At least, I guess if you want to keep people engaged. But it doesn't really we kinda answer. We kind of do, don't we? Of, of course, right? But I mean, it's like even with this, um, you know, to just go back to the U.S. context one more time, it's like all these people have been indicted and convicted and charged and gone to jail. Like this whole thing where people might say, especially on the right, oh, I mean, not even the right, Glenn Greenwald, Matt Taibbi saying, oh, this is just a big sham. Look how much of a waste of time this was. People are going to jail. Like Carter Page, George Papadopoulos, Paul Manafort, mm -hmm. all these people have been, you know, exposed, like, right? Yeah. Like, Kellyanne Conway is out there saying, you know, like this was a, a shameful, you know, insulting thing from the start to even imagine that we would do anything wrong. It's it, like, there are people in jail. Exactly. But saying right? here is like, you, you could try to brush off, this is a big nothing. It's like, well, your cabinet fell apart. You lost Jerry Butts. You lost yeah. Jane Philpott. You lost Charlie Wilson-Raybould. You lost Michael Wernick. MP Selena, Cesar Chavan, she, she also stepped down. Yeah, there's yeah, been a lot of These are both real scandals. We're really, we're really just talking about like, even here 
here in Canada, we care more about their scandal, yeah. which is like the Greenwald thing that I agree with mm-hmm. is it ain't going to amount to much. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to like it's, you know, this one the government could go down over. Yeah. And it happens to be the country that we live in. Exactly. Okay, that's your Canadaland Shortcuts. My God. You can email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send. We are on Twitter at Canadaland. Jaron, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at journaljaron, or you can also email me at jaron at canadalandshow.com. You can also find Jaron's stuff on our website, canadalandshow.com. And what you will also find there is a teaser for the new season of Commons. Archie Mann did Corruption. Now he's doing Crude. Canada's oil obsession stories about oil unlike you've ever heard before. Go listen to it now. Subscribe to Commons if you have not. This is going to be fantastic. This episode is produced by David Crosby. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you like what we do and you want to receive ad-free versions of all the podcasts that we publish, you can get that when you support us with five bucks a month or more at patreon.com slash CanadaLand. They're calling us a corrupt petrostate. They're calling us the dirty old man of the climate world. When we were writing our vows, we said it would be for boom or for bust. I have approved pipelines that the previous government wasn't able to do. That's when the vandalism started. Shots fired at gas company offices. Gas well sites blown up, including one explosion set by RCMP as part of their undercover investigation. I grew up in a place where I couldn't even breathe, and that's not my fault. I don't know why the textbooks don't teach this. It is the major industry. This is why Canada was built. Canada is oil country. It's what drives our economy, divides our politics, and shapes our nation. This season of Commons is called Crude, and we're bringing you stories about Canada's relationship to oil. The good, the bad, the ugly, and especially the weird. And you would drop that into the well, into the oil pay zone, and you would set it off. So they're shooting missiles at the earth. Yes. Subscribe to Commons on your favorite podcast app, and the first episode drops on April 2nd. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get. For just $2 a month, that is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. 
A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.